The Over the Bonnet podcast is brought to you by Merrimark Medical, Gimpy Foam and Rubber and NICAD Earth Moving. My guest today is widely regarded as one of the most influential people in the Gimpy Kalula area. After starting as a cadet reporter, Shelley Strawn has worked her way up the corporate ranks to become editor of the Gimpy Times, which has had its challenges of late, especially as the paper is now only displayed on a digital platform. And I'm delighted to have her in the studio today for Over the Bonnet. Over the Bonnet with Mark Peepers. <laughs> well, at least the guests are good. You'll never know what happens with the conversation when it's Over the Bonnet. <laughs> You're kidding me, aren't you? Shelley Strawn, welcome to Over the Bonnet. Thank you for having me, Mark. You've been described as one of the most influential people in Gympie. You've gone up the ladder. How does that feel? Um, strange. I'm a Gympie girl. Um, grew up here, farmer's daughter. Um, and just, I was going to be a writer or a, or a journalist always from the minute I first laid eyes on my first book. And I think it's a lot easier to make a living in journalism than it is to be a writer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've, I've made my career at the Gimpy Times because I love the Gimpy Times. Um, and I'm just, I just do my job and I, I'm a perfectionist and I, I try and do it, I'm, I guess, like everybody, the, the absolute best job I can do. Let's talk about the early days in journalism and <laughs> how that uh, unfolded for you. Why print? Because I was... Uh, uh, I love writing. Um, I'm, I've always been a good writer. I was a straight, straight A student in English. Couldn't read enough books as a, as a child from a very early age. Um, so went to uni and, and uh, did a Bachelor of Arts majoring in journalism um, and just never even considered any other medium. It was always I was always going to be a writer. I, I was either going to write novels or write news. So... Like I said, it's it's pretty it's easier to earn a living being employed by a newspaper than than to write books. It was interesting as a young man, as a young boy, I should say. I was playing with uh, records and wanted to get into radio from a very early mm. age. So I think it's it's intrinsically in the system. Mm, yes, uh, I've just loved it. Uh, mind you, I uh, I'd had a few years before I settled into journalism um, I went actually went and did my nursing um, back then it was a certificate um, wasn't a degree as well so I and worked as an RN for about a year and a half before I actually started a um, cadetship. How did you enjoy that as a nurse? Um, it's funny you go that was a profession where people love you and think you're the greatest and are very kind to you and say nice things because you're helping them and, and you know caring for them going from that to being a, a, you know one of the most despised <laughs> <laughs> um, professionals I guess um, uh, nursing was great um, but it pays well um, I didn't like the hours and I, I was a bit soft a bit um, got, got affected by a couple of patients who passed away and working with kids and yeah it was just all a bit too much for me you um takes a very special person to be to be a nurse you have to be hard and yet you have to be kind and and soft and 
and caring and nurturing. Um, but I was just wasn't I didn't have that enough hardness about me. <laughs> it was all yeah, I got upset a couple of times and just decided, no, this is yeah, no, I don't think I can do this for the rest of my life. Do you think though, as a journalist, that you do need to take that hardness? I know that what I've seen over my career as a television and radio journalist, and I've seen a lot and I know it's affected a lot of people around me and a lot of people get affected by it. How about yourself? Yeah. Um, do you mean like seeing traumatic things? Absolutely. In, as part of your job, definitely. Um, definitely. Uh, that I've had certainly in my first few years when, when you, you've never sort of, you know, you have to go to a fatal accident or um, uh, one story I had to do was really terrible out this way actually and I can't remember the names of the people involved but a, um, a, a, a you know older man who was a, the, a friend of the family was doing them a favour and chopping down some trees on their property at Widgee and the little boy the son had ridden his motorbike out to take him morning tea and the older fellow didn't realise the little boy was there and he just kept chopping the trees and the tree fell on the little boy and killed him just awful um, and I just remember sitting there trying to interview this this lovely man about what had happened and he was just crying and I was just crying and we, I, we just cried the whole way through the interview and that is tattooed on my brain that story except I can't remember the names but um, yeah that's and you just have to um, I guess suck it up definitely back then you just had to suck it up and um, and if you wanted to be in that job you had to just accept there were going to be times when you had to do terrible stories like that. Um, nowadays we have all sorts of support in place for young journos um, like mental health support and hotlines and stuff especially being part of the News Corp um, conglomerate. Um, they've got lots of things in place to give reporters support. You talk about that support and the fact that it's been taken over by News Corp. Let's talk about that mm. the Gympie Times has gone digital mm. what was your reaction when you were told that the paper would be no more as most people knew it um, <clears throat> oh, I had to pick myself up off the floor pretty much um, it, it wasn't a shock in that we ever knew it was going to happen eventually one day um, really was that something that it was common knowledge that it was going to happen well it was just like across the world like print print um advertising revenue and um um consumer revenue was was in decline everyone was in decline um, we were in decline the least of all the papers in our previous company and and with uh, in in news corp we we're a branch of news corp um, called australian region uh, news regional media and we were like, number one, we were in decline, but we were the least in decline of anyone. So we kind of thought we were immune. <laughs> um, but uh, coronavirus um, escalated things by several years. Um, the advertising revenue just dried up because um, businesses were, you know, tightening their belts, bunkering down to, to ride out the storm of whatever this, wherever the storm is gonna take, the pandemic. So yeah, it happened a few years before anyone dreamed it would happen. What's the reaction been, the fact that it has 
gone by the wayside. It's a part of Gympie history. I think uh, people are very sad. Um, I certainly am. I'm still grieving. <laughs> uh, it's like my baby. It's one of my children. Um, um, but uh, really, there is no nothing that anyone can do about it. And it is. We are now um, still being a voice for and of the Gympie region, and in a within a business model that will sustain it sustain us into the future like indefinitely this is a business model that has been designed to survive forever so um, it's kind of good in a way I guess that we've that's you know we've taken that huge leap um, and now we can just focus on being here for the you know next 152 years how have people embraced the change to a digital platform um, it's been very hard, very challenging, especially for our older readers, um, just who are used to getting their news a certain way, love their morning paper, um, and they're, they're so awesome because they, they want to be loyal and, and so many people have, have signed over to the digital um, subscription. Um, but they 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 really it's been a challenge to learn how to navigate a website you know for for, for older readers who've never some of them have never had an email address wow yeah yeah so um there's been a lot of um trying to help people and explain it we've actually had um the road a road show was which was the day we had a few weeks ago we had, had it at the pavilion it was this, um you had to register and we had our marketing team up here and I gave a, an address and our, um, our online editor um, gave an address and we had a, we took, we had two sessions, um, had about 70 people and we went through, you know, had the big PowerPoint and went through and showed people where to go to get this, where, like the, you know, the big things that they loved about the paper and they cannot find on the or have had trouble finding on the website like the funerals the death notices funny you should say that i had someone this morning only that i'd said that i'd be speaking to you and they said that was the thing that they couldn't find was the obituaries yes so if you if we'll be having more road shows in the future where we'll get groups in um and and talk people through the website um uh, but it's it's funny, like it's those little things that 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 really have bothered people, and and that that older generation who used to love the Saturday paper for the what we call the hatches, matches, and dispatches, <laughs> the classifieds. Um, so they still want that, you know. They want to know because you know people they know are, are passing away and they're not being able to find out. But it it is all there. Um, the uh, there is a if you're using our app, like we have an app, uh, which is, was great, um, but it hasn't been upgraded in a few years. It will be upgraded, but the app as it stands, you won't, if you're using the app, you won't be able to access the funeral notices. So you're better off just going in through the website, the homepage, like getting on Safari or Google and Googling the Gimpy Times and going in, logging in that way, rather than going in through your app, because you won't, and you also won't be able to see the digital edition of the paper if you're using the app, which is like the flip book. Do people still want to see that, see a real paper? Uh, absolutely. That, that older generation who, that is how they're used to getting their news. 
by flipping the pages, even if it's digitally, they still want that rather than having to navigate their way around a website. They'll still do that because that's where you get that um, breaking news, that minute-by-minute news as as it's unfolding. But the um, digital edition, which isn't like the old print digital print edition uh, because we don't it was basically just pdfs of the the printed paper that we would then put onto our website but this digital edition is generated using ai so it just uses the stories that have got um the, in the last 24 hours that have got the most page views and, and allocate some spaces in, on pages and Wow. Plus we have the um, the stars and the, you know, a few, and the TV guide and stuff like that um, there because that's, again, the TV guide. People love just to get their TV guide off a, you know, the way they're used to getting it in the paper off a, a flip book. It's surprising, though, that uh, there are some things that people really want to hang on to. Yeah, it's just, it's just habit and, you know, change and I totally appreciate how difficult it is to make that change um, and I, I feel for our readers our loyal readers have been loyal to the Gimby Times for their whole lives and, and they've just some of them I know they feel like they've had the rug pulled out from underneath them and they've remained loyal uh, a lot have yeah our di- definitely our digital subscriptions are through the roof and um, but uh, they love a lot of those um, older readers still want the digital edition, which is, you know, um, it's pretty, it's not, definitely not as good as a way to get your news as to just get it through the website because it's just a moment in time and sometimes it'll, because it's done with AI, it'll put the lead story to not even be, you know, like a very good old school news story, but it's something that got a lot of page views, like, who's the best personal trainer in Gympie, vote here, like that sort of thing. You know, so it's it's flawed and, and we are trying to iron out wrinkles, but yeah, still getting plenty of feedback. <laughs> What's the good feedback? What are the advantages of this digital platform? Well, the advantage is it's a sustainable model. It's It won't die, whereas print is dying. Um, um, it's... You're getting it as it happens. Uh, you're not waiting. Your news isn't 24 hours old. It's, and we have a very um, sophisticated alert system where we, we if you're um, on our database, we send out alerts on our on our good stories as they break, as soon as they're published. Your little email in your inbox saying, you know, this great, you know, a woman's just been airlifted from Rainbow Beach. So you can click through straight through the through the story. So it's very convenient. Very. Um, immediate. Does that put more pressure on you as, uh, it does, as a crew? Actually. <laughs> I remember thinking when we were because we've been we've had a digital web we've had a website for years. So for three years we were producing a paper every day. Plus we were running a website and building uh, an online audience because we knew the day would come when that, that it would all be online. And I used to think, oh, gee, won't, won't our lives be easy when we don't have a paper to produce? It'll just be a website. But no, that hasn't happened. <laughs> it's just more intense. It's more immediate because without focusing on the paper and that you're just fo- focusing on the website, um, 
you want to be you know even better and I'm finding all these things that we should have been doing better and um, and parts of the website that need to be improved and so, so what does need to be improved uh, oh, the digital edition, I think. I know it's not probably not going to be around forever, but it'll be around for whatever, 20 years. So it needs to be just a little bit more um, refined, perhaps, uh, is the best word. Because, uh, like I said, it's all just AI. So um, it needs a bit more of an editor's touch. Um, I don't think we realised... Um, that was the biggest feedback when we went digital and and stopped print because um, we we actually didn't do we weren't going to have a digital edition a flip book we were just going to have the website um, but the the enormous feedback like across Queensland for all the all the sites where's the digital edition or at least give us something that resembles how we used to get our news um, so yeah so we brought it back in but with minimal hands-on that's thus the the AI have you had to change the style of writing you do now that you are just doing a digital edition uh, no not the style definitely have had to make choices um, about what what kind of stories we're writing and and spending time on because um, it's a smaller staff. I have a smaller team than I had before. Um, and it's a 24-hour website, so I have to roster my team to cover seven days. Not not 24 hours, obviously, but as much of that, like, you know, people are still on their phones and checking Facebook and then in the news at 11 o'clock at night, and then they start at 4, 4 a.m. Like, we see everything. It's all, all the data on who's reading what on our website is available to me. Yeah. I get a weekly report. We see exactly when people start reading, if they're subscribers or non-subscribers, what they're reading. It's just an overload of data, actually. But um, uh, it for one, for the first time in my career, I, I know exactly what kind of stories people want to read. Um, so, and it, it's different, I guess, when you're um, picking up a phone or an iPad or sitting at your desktop and and clicking on a story and. It's different to a newspaper where you're just flicking through the newspaper and if it's there, you'll you look at the photos and but you won't probably read the story and stuff like that. So, yeah, we've, we've been able to uh, establish what they like um, and definitely crime is a big... <laughs> that's the number one easy hands-down winner. People caught and crime. People want to read about. Why is that? I don't know. I guess they... I really think it gets back to it's very just that old school sort of you know it's, it's gossip sort of thing which not to not to disparage anyone but um, I guess and also knowing well, is there is some creep living in my neighbourhood and that sort of thing you know but um, yeah I know back in the days people would always tell me about why don't you put more good news stories in mm. and you sort of say then at the other end of the spectrum crime is most popular mm, I know how do you balance that well, uh, you, we always used to say we would do, we would have to do the nice good news stories to earn our right to tell the bad stories, to be in court and um, going to the fatal accidents and stuff like that. Like, pick, even though we always knew that was they weren't the stories that were getting the most eyes on them. Um, uh, 
we our other big genre big, our second biggest genre of, of articles people want to read is is council um, you know new developments development applications um, not so much the dramas that go on in a, in a council um, and the politics but yeah just that that business news and development news so we try and make sure there's as much of that which is which is good news it's about growth and 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 what's going on in our town and um without being negative because you know there's always that <laughs> we don't want to give a false impression that you know gimme's like the crime capital of australia or anything <laughs> like that just because we're reporting a lot more on crime we're not really we're just um reporting less on other stuff so yeah but we definitely still have to commit a journalist to court if there's court uh, happening in Gympie, which there is most days of the week, I have to commit a journalist to that. Must be tough though. How's the team coping with the, with the change? They're working from home now, and mm. is that interaction the same as it used to be? No, no. Um, we are all missing each other a lot. Um, we, you know, we Zoom. We have a, a um, Google Hangout every morning which is, you know, just like a Zoom meeting, video conferencing. Um, and uh, and it's not the same, though. Uh, so once a week, uh, we also go and have have coffees and I'll shout coffee for the team. We'll go to Amelia's or tram cars or the decks or somewhere and, and we'll have lunch and we'll have a few coffees and, and have our... A, a, a bigger meeting. It's like our daily meeting, but it's also strategizing about the week ahead and what what we're going to do over the weekend and that sort of thing. So that'll take us a couple of hours, but that's really our, our only face to face all week. I am tro- trying to um, got a couple of um, negotiations that I'm involved with to try and get us some shared office space so we can like work together once a week out of out of a shared space, like because journo's really get a lot off each other, a lot of energy and um, bounce ideas off each other and how's this for a headline or how should I you know, frame this photo and how should I approach this story? Like that is very hard because you now you're not just all in a room together and you've got 10 people contributing and giving ideas. It's, yeah. The energy and the vibe. Yeah, missing all that. Yeah, that's hard. That has been, um, that's still hard for my guys. They're still struggling with that. Junior journos might really suffer in this new, uh, I know <laughs> as, as, a, as a junior journo, you're learning from the more senior, senior mm. people rather mm. than just being sent out to write a story. No, yeah. I mean, I, I have a cadet um, straight out of uni, um, Maddie Mannering, and uh, she will know nothing else probably. Hmm. This is oh she I think she had one month in the newsroom before we all went to work from home. Um, she's probably though coping the best because she's she's not used to it. I bet there you know there's a lot of um, alternate ways to communicate which are you know excruciating. They can be <laughs> emails, but we have a internal Skype messaging system which is very quick and immediate. Which which I. That's how I interact with my journos because I'm the, I'm subbing all their work, sub sub editing all their work, at the end of the day, and I'm asking them questions and I'm saying, you know, you should have done this a little bit different, and so it's an immediate messaging system. So that's how she's getting her feedback, or if it's really complicated, I'll just pick up the phone and have a chat. But uh, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's a whole different new world for you. Mm. You talk about being a gimpy girl that started uh, a cadetship. Tell us about the early days as you, when you were a cadet. Oh, boy. Um, well, we had the old offices in Mary Street that sort of bridged Mary Street and Nash Street, um, which they'd been there for decades. Um, and they used to have the printing press there too. It wasn't there when I started. But um, uh, it... Um, Michael Rosa was the editor when I started. Um, Lisa Miller was uh, the junior reporter. So Lisa's now the anchor woman on ABC Morning Breakfast Show. She went on to great things. She was um, so. She, I had did she always? Did she always have that spark? Yeah, yeah. No, she was awesome. Like she just took me under her wing, and um, she would get just that excitement you know you'd get the sniff of a good story and and she would literally stomp her feet on the floor and just go oh she would just get so excited and it really was infectious like it made you know it gave me that that hunger for the you know a good story um so yeah I had her mentoring me and Dean Gould was um the um a grade reporter we used to call him then the senior reporter and I think he went on to be editor of the Gold Coast bully, and he's he, he's been all over the place. So I had two really strong, talented people in that newsroom when I started there as a cadet, and um, just which is me what so I was much. saying about about you know that that's who you learn from yeah. and who you got that as you say hunger for a story yeah. and, and the news sense. Yeah, yep, yep, um, yep. I remember when I was a, uh, a, a the head of a newsroom, and I had young kids that just came straight out of uni and just needed to learn and be guided mm. and that's mm. where I see you know a tough situation for mm. um, the junior reporters as you say they may uh, that's all they're used to mm. but then how do they hone their art how do they hone learn their skills learn off people yeah I mean I did I, we try and uh, send Maddie like I'll send her to court with the court reporter and I've sent her down to the Sunshine Coast to shadow the court reporter down there because they've got big courts and more exciting. So there are ways to still be mentoring her um, and I'll, you know, she goes to council with um, Scott sometimes just to see how he manages because he's a very good council reporter So, and he's sort of teaching her. But yeah, so we are still doing those things but um, yeah, it is, it's not quite as good as all being, you know, closed space together and then getting, getting each other g'd up and yeah let's do this you know it's very hard to get that feeling when you're all a remote team and you're not together so I have to really which I can understand because being involved in radio and television there was that immediacy that now you have mm. and trying to generate the trying to beat the rival station when mm. I was at TUE and 2GB <laughs> might have had had the story before us and we had to get it on air before they did. Yeah, um, I actually love that. Who's your competition these days? Uh, um, well, our, our sister papers are still competitors because um, we're even though we do work together um, on some things like the Sunshine Coast Daily and Courier Mail and the Fraser Coast Chronicle, South Burnett Times, it's just journo's instinct to beat the competition even if they are related to you you know um so it's everyone like everyone it's it's news.com it's uh, the abc um and we've 
we never have actually ever had that because we, we were the only paper in Gympie. Um, we never had competition. So that is kind of good. That is one How about plus. radio, the fact that um, radio is fairly immediate and radio was where that, you know, the immediate stories were, were generated in the past. Yeah, we've paper never would... competed with radio. Um, mm. I don't know. It's, yeah, just radio news. Radio don't take their news too seriously, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I mean, I love listening to the radio. I love listening to Nugget Now in the morning, but um, their news bulletins certainly don't. They're no competition for our, us. We blitz them. As far as that immediacy, though, though, is there more pressure to be more immediate because oh, radio absolutely. can stick it on? They can stick yeah. it on via the hour. I can feel my heart go up as soon as I get a, <laughs> an alert that there's been a, a car accident or, you know, um, some sort of drama. Um, it's like, quick, we've got to get this online and get it on well and add elements to it that no one else has got so that they'll choose to read our article and not just the generic, you know, whatever anyone else is putting up. So, yeah, there is definitely... It's stressful, but it's exciting and and um, satisfying when you do get it up there. The way you saw stories is different. Back in the day, we were scanner hungry <laughs> and we'd be following um, whatever. And you talk about getting an alert. How do you source it? And it's one of the questions that I get asked more than any other. <laughs> how do you find the news? And, and how do you find a lot of these big stories? Well, Facebook today is what, the bar at the local pub used to be. Ah, so we trawl ah, Facebook. Ah. <laughs> you, you join every Facebook group that will have you. Uh, that's a gimpy related. Wow, that really surprises me. Yeah, no, because you'll just get, it can just be a throwaway comment or Threads. it can be a post. Yeah, that's one way. But we, like as you probably know, <laughs> Mark, the um, emergency services have, have learnt to get around our scanners so um, not that they, we ever had them because they're not legal but um, we have a system that is similar to a scanner okay no <laughs> questions no answers what's what's the story you talked about the guy with the um, with the tree that that fell on the young fella what's the story that that was that's affected you most over your career that's uh, given you the most um, sense of pride, sense of uh, just lucky to be where you are as a journo? Um, okay, probably two things. Probably uh, not that I was I was sort of away having babies for a bit of this, but the um, campaign to stop the Traveston Dam, um, which was very successful and very long and very passionate and... Um, that was a great achievement by the Gympie Times um, and the campaign to fast track Section D of the Bruce Highway, which um, has saved, they estimate, at least 50 lives. And, you know, they're starting on that Section D now rather than in another four years' time. So that was, the a pretty, that was a pretty big thing, that, 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 that highway. Uh, I know I covered a lot of fatal accidents myself when mm. I was shooting for Ghastly. the networks. Yep. Um, then they put the the divider was a really big thing to stop mm. accidents, but this four lane highway, what changes has it made that you can see? Uh, well, it's 
it's really opened Gympie up to people who work in Brisbane or on the coast and want to um, live buy a much more affordable home um, and, and live the good life in the country. Why, why would you live in crappy old Brisbane <laughs> when you can live here and you're only an hour and a half down the highway and it's a, and now it's a safe, quick, um, until you, unless it's, you know, Sunday afternoon and you're heading back to Brisbane or something like that. That's still horrendous. That obviously needs to be sorted out very quickly um but it's just congestion it's not it's not deadly like it used to be like and i'm just so glad um because i've had four children and they've all gone off to uni and i'm so glad that they didn't have to drive that highway because yeah you know. let's talk about the gimpy bypass um what's it going to do for the town i know karoi has got that country town and little village feel again and a lot of those towns mm. that have been bypassed mm. um, have that village feel again what's it going to do for Gympie when it's fully bypassed um, well we won't have a stinky loud dangerous highway going through the heart of our town for a start so we'll be able to develop those areas that have just you know um, been facing a highway so they're not very pretty and you know they might be servos and stuff but the, the council will be able to and the developers will be able to reclaim the, the heart of the city which at the moment is is dedicated to this highway um, and you know I don't think any town that's been bypassed has ultimately um, suffered um, it was e interesting. economically I, I was in Bulladella uh, down in New South Wales when they uh, just first bypassed by the four-lane highway mm. and stayed at a motel. The guy thought it was going to be the end of the town and I was telling him about how it's towns in this area have prospered. Mm. Um, and so that's what you think will happen here. Yeah, def definitely, definitely. It'll, it'll improve the aesthetics of, of Gympie um, no end and... It, it's an easy commute for people from Brisbane to come up and, and see us and, and a safe commute. Um, so it's it's win, win, win. Should you find, do you think that Gympie will build, as, a, as you say, that Definitely. people will commute to, say, the Sunshine Coast, Brisbane or wherever? Um, Gympie's been identified already. Um, this is like the, the bypass is going to take a few years to build, obviously. Um, but already that it because it's so close to that enormous growth that's happening in the southeast like we're just on the just outside of that but it's it's a hot spot it's one of the five, Queensland's five top regional hotspots for growth um, once the pandemic dies down and, and everything gets back to the new kind of normal so there's no and, and it's Bernard Salt's one person who's identified that um, Another guy, I can't remember his name, but a, a demographer, you know, um, he predicts future growth. That's their job. So there's, Gympie's on a trajectory to growth. Um, so we have to handle that growth and, and, and keep keep the Gympie that we love while that's happening. But it's definitely happening. It's happening already. The, Billy Mitchell was just saying, he's got people ringing him up from Victoria buying property sight unseen. Wow. Yeah. What changes you've 
covered and been uh, across um, documenting the changes in Gympie over your time as a journo and now as the editor of the, the, the paper, for want of a better word. Mm-hmm. Is that what do they call it these days? A masthead. <laughs> okay. A brand. Um, it's interesting because people still call it the paper. Absolutely, yeah. Old habits die hard. But when we won the Hanpa, um, well, it used to be called the Community Newspaper of the Year, and we won it again in 2018, and they had already changed that to the Community News Brand of the Year. So, you know, in keeping with where they were seeing the media going, print media. So, yeah, brand. We've always been a masthead. That's, you know, that's just for people who don't know, that's the the writing of the Gimpy Times, the words that sit on the front page, that's the masthead. So yeah, and website, I don't know actually. <laughs> I don't know if there's a new term anyone's kicking around, but I just, yeah. It'll be interesting because as I say, paper will do for the moment, but because um, I know I still refer to, I'm shooting digitally and I still refer to them as tape. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it's like um, some habits aren't going to die, like your, your inbox on your email it used to be an actual box that sat on your desk where people put notes. So the inboxes are here to stay forever, even though they've metamorphosized into a digital inbox. Um, so maybe people will just call it a paper. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. But um, coming back to the changes that you've been documenting over the time that now that the, the highway has come through... Uh, through to Gympie and it's going to bypass Gympie in due course. What changes that really stand out to you as a journalist that's covered these things? In the community the whole, the in general? Area. Yeah, the whole area. Well, Gympie's um, very... It's actually... people. It's copped a lot of flack over the years, you know, um, Helltown and all that dare we mention Helltown well yeah let's let's have we have we lost that reputation as Helltown because some people embraced it other people were horrified yeah we've yeah well that's right some people have used it for their own you know for, for good like the Helltown hot rods out there on the highway um they've um parlayed it into a marketing plan <laughs> but um most people are horrified by it, but I mean that that was a long time ago. That was what about twenty years ago. But tell us about the Helltown era. era. W- how did that come about? Well, that came about because Professor Paul Wilson, I think his name was, wrote an article for Penthouse. <laughs> Just for the article. Yeah, that, that's right. People <laughs> buy it for the articles, and. Uh, he must have spent some time in Gympie. I don't know where, what parts of Gympie he stayed in to come up with these concepts that he thought what Gympie life was like. But um, he wrote it and, and oh, just talked about drugs and hippie communes and crime and just debauchery and rednecks and gun-toting Well, there had been idiots. a couple of murders in the area leading up to oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, I don't know if they were ahead of that article. But anyway, it went viral, to use a modern term for, you know, back then, and it, it, it has stuck with us um, because, you know, people who don't know Gympie, that's an easy sort of word to, to remember and associate with a town. But um, it's 
the gimpy that I know today is is actually a very um, sophisticated country centre. Do we have but, the best of both worlds still? And absolutely. are we are we in danger of losing that with the influx? Of um, yeah, that's yeah, and I think, but I think the people who are making those decisions about how we develop and continue to grow are aware that people who live here don't want to lose what we've got. We want to make. We don't want to be Noosa. We don't want to be the Sunshine Coast. We are Gympie, and we need, and we are unique. Um, we've got a lot of heritage value and, and beautiful scenery and laid-back lifestyle, and we like our nice food and we like our nice coffee. Um, like you just drive an hour up the highway and the coffee gets bad. <laughs> like Gympie is actually very cosmopolitan in that regard. Like it has lots of cafes and and everyone does coffee well here, well most people. Um, that's a small thing, but it makes a big impression when people are visiting and, and, and coming to stay or just driving through, you know. Um, it's it's pretty hip these days. Like, it's not like it was when I was a kid, a backwater. <laughs> well, let's talk about that when you, were, when you were a kid, when it was a backwater as such. Mm. How did that grow on you and, and how do you sort of, as a journey, sort of enter into the foray to cover what's intrinsically a backwater then? <laughs> Well, I didn't realise it was a backwater. I was I. I grew up on a farm, and I I think I'd been to Brisbane once before I went to uni. Oh wow! Yeah, I was truly <laughs> a hayseed. I had no idea. I got down there and just went, "What? What's a toga party?" Like I, you know, it was such an innocent little thing off the farm. Um, so I. If it was a backwater, it, it it was my backwater that I loved. Like I didn't I didn't see it as that. Like I got teased about being a hayseed, but I was sort of I didn't mind. I kind of wore it like a badge of honour. I'm like, well, I'm glad I grew up in the country, and you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm pretty innocent and naive. That'll soon change, you know, <laughs> months at university. But um, yeah, it, uh, the gimpy that I remember as a as a child was be- beautiful. It was, you were uh, removed from the, all the crap that was going on in the world. And I do still feel that way. Like I often say to my kids, oh, not that they're all off at uni, but I'd just go, you'd have to be one of the most safest, best places in the world to live because you're, you're out of the, the fray. You're a bit removed and cocooned from the big things that are going on in the world and even in the state. But, um, but we're still sort of got our toe just over the line, you know, we're into the great southeast, so we're still connected and we're part of it and, and we're benefiting from it without losing that lovely, peaceful country lifestyle. I do look at the fact that we've got an hour to the beach, mm. we've got an hour and a half now to Brisbane, mm. we're an hour to the coast. We really do have so many good got things. Got it all, yeah. And we've got our own, you know, beach community. We've got Rainbow Beach and we're in Fraser Island. We're on the door, back, that's on our back doorstep. So really, it's hard place to beat. What's the biggest change, though, over your time here that you've seen that really stands out as, wow, you might, something you might like or something you might not like? Um... Maybe is it like the death of Mary Street as as such? Uh, yeah. Um, I know that's a, a, an ongoing problem for for planners and for people who own real estate in Mary Street. Um, 
Yes, that's a little bit sad. When I was when I was a little girl, we used to go and get our groceries in Mary Street and um, Cully's, Cullinane's department store. We used to go there, buy our knickers and stuff like that. <laughs> it's very special. Um, so yeah, Mary Street's definitely lost its vibe, um, and a lot. You know, there are empty businesses. Um, I think the the solution to that, dare I suggest it, is. It has been suggested by people with much better brains than me, though, is to get um, some government departments back in Gympie, like they, when they went through that phase of thinking everything has to be centralised and they pulled out the transport department headquarters from Gympie, which was a big loss to our town. And I think that is the only way that they're going to create the numbers um, in, back in Mary Street because, you know, shopping centres are just the way of the future. They're just more convenient. and So they need to get um, some permanent sort of um, occupants in, in, and government departments are perfect. Should council also be looking more at that alfresco dining sort of... Um... Yeah, I think they, they, allow, they certainly allow that to happen. Like that's, that's happening a little bit. Um, Amelia's does that. I've seen lots of other cafes in te- in Mary Street. I um, can't remember the name of the, the one near the city centre stage there. Oh, but Brown Jug. No, no, not Brown Jug. Oh, they have, I think they have a table outside one <laughs> getting there. But I think that, yeah, the council is fairly uh, lenient with letting people move their tables out onto the sidewalk because they know that that's what people want. Um, that's definitely an idea, and that's yeah been talked about a lot. But Gibbie um, tends to not be very supportive of restaurants and things like that. I don't know why, but cafes, it's it's good, but um, the restaurants have come and go gone over the years, and they just can't get. And they've been awesome restaurants, but they just don't get the consistent numbers to survive for some reason. Do people head to the coast? Is that what the problem oh, is? Oh, yeah, but, uh, but they'll, head, they'll head to the Phoenix because they'll get a big giant steak and veggies for, you know, a pretty good price. Whereas, I don't know, they just not haven't um, embraced that sort of higher... And, and probably the people that have embraced that higher fine dining probably do, do go to the coast because you have got Noosa half an hour down the road with however many awesome restaurants. But or the ultimate Gimpy dining experience. There is always the nugget. <laughs> oh, the nugget. I, I have actually eaten out there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those um, iconic Gimpy landmarks that mm. every truckie knows. Yes, 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 yes. It's, yeah, I've... It's apparently a really good deal to go out there and have dinner too. It's not too bad. Now, you were talking <laughs> about the um, the Traveston Dam. Hmm. What was the big thing that really drove you to push that story? Um, well, the, the, it was this, the um, swashbuckling, arrogant way it was decided in the start, at the start like Peter Beard flying over and going, oh, yeah, we'll put a dam down there. And I, well, no, you won't. And that you were going to lose this, this, this beautiful, fertile, picturesque valley. Well, great tracks of it, like Kandanga, I think, was completely going to go underwater. And it was just, it was just outrageous, the whole concept of it, like such a, a beautiful part of the world. 
to just um, and flood it. And it was there was so many flaws in the in the plan. It was going to be a very shallow dam, and um, it just seemed to be far too just you know swashbuckling approach. And Poor planning. Um, I think so. Yeah, like it was. It was very sort of immediate, wasn't it? Like it was just like literally. Like he looked out the chopper window and went, "Oh yeah, let's put a dam down there." Like someone just said, "Oh, that might make a good spot." And I just think people just went. They were just outraged. I just uh, couldn't believe it for a start, and then they were just outraged. And uh, um, yeah, and Michael Rosa, who was the the editor of the Gimme Times at the time, just made a very immediate and adamant decision that we were going to campaign against this. So, and we did, and we, you know, it took a long time, <laughs> but uh, in the end, Peter Garrett. Um, came came to the rescue. What damage was really done to the valley? The way they bought up and just what they did, just absolutely nearly destroyed the economy of the valley. Like they bought up all that land and then they rented it back for, for you know not much, and a lot of it was just left to overgrow, like thriving farms and businesses, and and the the value, the land value in the valley just plunged, just bottomed out because you know people were going well we're not going to buy here because there's going to be a big dam and how close is all that construction going to be to where I buy even if I'm not in the pathway of the dam you know just like the the highways a little bit you don't want to be near that sort of major infrastructure work going on so yeah it devastated devastated the 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 social fabric and the economy of the valley. What was the reaction in the newsroom when the decision was made to stop the Traveston Dam? Um, (laughs) Well, I think Arthur Gorry, who was our main reporter on that, um, he was actually at the Kandanga pub that day with with the local um, campaigners and it was just... And everyone was just like arms in the air, just cheering and like it was like he'd won the lotto when when Mr Garrett made the announcement that he was putting an end to it. It really was quite magical. So from then, do you think that um, the the Mary Valley will recover and, and go on to um, become as prosperous as yeah. it was? It's already, it's back. It's, it's recovered. It has had massive um, land valuation growth in the last couple of years. Is that due to the highway? Uh... Um, I don't, It, in part probably, um, but also just because in people, when they realised, you know, there was cheap land to be had and, and lots of good people with um, uh, projects and, and farms they wanted to start up just bought up, bought back all that land and made it productive again and, and people moved back into those areas and it's just been a gradual sort of healing. And a, re- and a gradual and natural recovery in the in the land prices, but yeah, knowing that the Bruce Highway is um, you know a safe and quick and easy commute, and you can live in the beautiful Mary Valley, which is even closer to well, look at the price of land not far away at Karoi. Mm. You can Insane. pay two, three times, mm. and then you've got the valley, and you say you've got the highway these days. Mm. Mm. Tell us about the early days of the Gympie Times. It was a fairly historical document and paper that um, had a couple of different, um, as you say, mastheads and facades in the early days. 
in um, after gold was um, discovered in Gympie. Mm. Talk about that historic part of the paper. Well, the Gympie Times started up, I think, five months after James Nash discovered gold. So it was just a giant tent gold city. It would have been wild. Um, and the three original owners uh, of the Gympie Times, names escape me, um, dragged the printing press through the Mary Valley from Brisbane up to Gympie. Oh, no, from Ipswich, I think, even. Yeah, I think it was Ipswich. Yeah. Um, just extraordinary to think of what they, <laughs> how they managed to do that. Um, and, uh, yep, very enterprising young gentleman started up the paper, and I think the first edition, it was in the middle of a flood, Mary River flood. So as they're bring, printing off the first edition, the floodwaters are actually swirling around the printer's legs, so the story goes. So, yeah, it, and she has, the Gibby Times has had a few um, transitions over the years, changed names and um, definitely changed owners a lot. Um, and then uh, the um, competition has come and gone, um, but it's stayed stayed there and survived and out, outlived them all for 152 years and hopefully it'll be there another 152 years. Because there is competition again, we can't... Um... Oh yeah, they have Gimby today, yep, yep. It's, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I actually, good on them, you know, um, there's money to be made in Gimby from print advertising. Um, unfortunately, the Gimby Times got scooped up in a blanket approach to, to what News Corp would um, doing um, with their with their mastheads. Um, so What's their thought of trying to keep a, a, a paper afloat in Gimby? By, the, by News Corp? Well, by just locals to try and do something to keep the Gimby Times uh, as a paper alive. There, was, there were plenty of conversations that went on. Um, um, but the, the, the brutal reality is, well, there's money there to be made now. You have from a print edition, um, it, it won't be there forever. And I don't know how long it'll be there for. So, but power to them. Um, and I, I'm happy for, for those people who really miss the printed paper that they do have a printed paper that they can read once a week at least. So, um, Is it missing something by being once a week? Rather than not trying to co- uh, criticise your competition, but, you know, like the fact that it is only once a week. Well, I think that it comes down to dollars and cents that's why it's once a week they're probably sussing out you know um if it's worth producing more than one paper a week but you know i don't know i don't know how they're going they're not there it's it's a community um paper it's not a hard newspaper they're not up in court and they're not at the council they're just it's more and it's good because that's the kind of stuff that we can't do anymore so they're, they're definitely filling a hole and a couple of our journos um who lost their jobs and all the big changes happened are working with them and I'm really glad that they've got jobs so yeah that must be a hard thing to see the fact that um, uh, so many journalists across the country Mm. with these changes and and it's you you hear it all the time that journalists are losing their jobs Mm. it's a tough time it's it's a it's a transition time for news Um, people will always need journalists because the world is changing uh, and people are sort of, you know, not au fait with how, with print, uh, with digital journalism or dig- getting their news via a website. 
there is we are definitely in a change in a transition period um, but you know like people like my children they'll they'll never read and they'll never pick up a newspaper <laughs> they get all their news or Facebook links so you know um, and that generation they get all their all their news off their mobile so that's it, it will always be there um, journalism will always be there and it's a, it's a tough time now and you know jobs have been lost and I don't know if if as many jobs will ever be available again, but I hope they are. What about investigative journalism that used to happen? I know when mm. I was in radio, we'd scan the papers uh, and we'd check out because newspapers were synonymous with that investigative mm. journalist mm. Uh, journalism, rather. And and could that fall behind the, by the wayside? Uh, it might. Um, it's certainly ha- still happening at a at a higher level. Um, and we certainly allow time when the things need to be. Uh, I certainly couldn't give a journalist two months off to just cover one story. No little regional paper could do that ever. Mm. But um, we have a very good investigative journalist, Scott Kavakovich, and he does not leave stones unturned when it comes to local government and um, things like that. So he was had played a very pivotal role in the outcome of our last election with his coverage of, of our local council. And he's, he's maintaining that focus. Why do you need to be a good journalist these days? Ooh, you need to be resilient. You need to be uh, self-disciplined. Um, Mm, it's just, I, I, th- I think you'd still need the same old quantity qualities of you need to have that gift to be a good writer or communicator and be able to tell a story and not one out. Not one out. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, that's true. You need to be fast. You, there is no time to be self-indulgent. You talk about the change in the council. Um, what do you think of the fact that we've had a really sort of a, a broom put through? Mm. Council, how's the new council? What's your opinion of the new council? Uh, I think they're um, great. They're they're um, authentically and and strenuously trying to um, honour all their election commitments. Um, I've got some really good people there who just shoot from the hip, which is you know they're not um, they're not frightened to to say what they think um, and I think that they, they'll just be a breath of fresh air. Glenn is very committed to not letting things slide into the way things were before the March election. Like, um, There was one uh, comment that I heard that uh, I think I read somewhere that there was a, a one a cl- another closed council meeting and mm. they were worried about that uh, Hello, what what are we going back to what? Mm. So we have had a dig at them today uh, on the website because today it's, it's not an actual general council meeting, it's a workshop, but that's something we're traditionally allowed into. But this is the second workshop they've had since the election. <laughs> that's been all in committee items. So no one, no reporters, no members of the public allowed. So we have gone, hey, 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 hey. We have sort of reminded them that they made promises and they need to abide by those promises of transparency and I'm sure they've got their reasons there's absolutely nothing for these guys to hide like they're trying to dig up all the crap that's been left that they've been because they have found themselves in a a financial hole yeah so if it's finance 
finances and staffing, that's usually stuff they like to tuck away behind closed doors. But it's, you know, it's all too easy for governments to do that. And it's our job to just keep going, well, no, we elected you, we're paying the rates, you need to be open and honest with us and just tell us what's going on, what are you doing in there? And that's <laughs> sort of where the, the importance of a local media really exactly. comes to the fore to mm. keep, keep them honest. That's right. Do and a Don Chip, keep the bastards honest. That's exactly right. Yep, yep. It's like, I don't know who said this either. First they took the journalists and we don't know what happened after that. Because, <laughs> you know, you lose journalists, you won't know diddly. You'll know what the Joe Blow who has seen two YouTube videos and thinks he's an expert on something, you'll know what he thinks because he put it on Facebook, but you won't have professional. You need professional journalists who... Know that they have to dig and be balanced and and fair and accurate. We talk about um, Scott with uh, his influence on the uh, on the council election. Mm. Uh, there was a campaign by the paper, and it's where we started with uh, you being one of the most influential people in Gympie. Mm. <laughs> what is it going to drive you over the next twelve months? What sort of things do you want to? see in Gympie in both council, in the general community? Crikey. Um, what's going to drive me over the next few months? Well, I just, I love this town. It's my hometown and it's, um, I want to see it prosper. Um, I don't want to see it ruined by too much growth or unfettered growth or um, made ugly by too much industry in the wrong places and um, by the wrong people running our town. So we're just, yeah, I, I'll just, we'll just be a watchdog. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep the bastards honest. Um, yeah, and all for the better betterment of, of Gympie and, and to keep our readers informed and about what's going on in their community. Did um, the public get it right with the way they re-elected and, and put a broom through the council? In yes. what way? Oh, I just think there was too much. Um, things had just turned a bit toxic, I think, with that last council. There was too too much um, negativity around how people were being treated and um, information that was being withheld and um, too much money being spent in the wrong places and, and, and secrets and whispers and half-truths and bullying and intimidation definitely was going on there so um, definitely a much a refreshing feel with this new council. Because a lot of money was spent on the Rattler. Hmm. Uh, what do you think of that money? Was it well spent? Uh, <laughs> when, when the proposition of resurrecting the Rattler was first mooted, um, we were all for it. We just thought, great, yeah, like it was, it was sad to see the Rattler shut down. Um, uh, and we thought this will be great for Gympie, for the Mary Valley. Um, but, but no one had any idea how much money it was going to cost, and it just cost too much. The thing is, the money's been spent now. So we probably need to keep it going because otherwise that's $20 million down the drain. Is there more money that still needs to be spent? So much money has been spent, but there is there, uh, there mm, more money, you know, yep. like where do you stop? Well, is that's it? true. That's true because the tracks have to be maintained, you know, the, the, the carriages and the engines have to be maintained and, and is, uh, is the number of tickets that they're selling um, making enough money? The way they're operating the business, is it 
is that the best way to be for it to be operated? I think that's all being looked at. Definitely, I know that's all being looked at by the new council because the, and also the council has to um, is still propping up, you know, just the operations of, of the of the rattler. Um, so yeah, that's going to be um, a tough call. I'm glad that's not my <laughs> decision. <laughs> Any thoughts you were involved um, at one stage uh, with David Gibson? Any yeah. Any thoughts of yourself with politics? Um, not really. Because uh, I know a lot of journalists that have yeah. made the transition uh, that are either press secretaries, yes. uh, journalists, they are all aspiring politicians. I mm. uh, mm. think that they can do a better job because they're mm. interacting with them. What about yourself? Any any thoughts? No, I like the quiet life too much, Mark. I like just being at home <laughs> at night, not having to go out and, you know, hand trophies over and things like that. And <laughs> I do... Um, I have a lot of time for Lou O'Brien and, and Tony Perrett, um, even though I'm not necessarily that a voter for, for their parties, but I actually think they're both very nice and genuine gentlemen. And um, I'd, uh, if I was ever going to go and work for anyone, I'd probably work for one of them. <laughs> but it's not necessarily my brand of politics, but yeah. Is it hard staying impartial? Mm, especially, in a, especially in a country town. Yeah, um, but you just have to. You just have to give both sides of of any story, and you have to write things that you know people who are your mates. Uh, it's going to upset them. You just you know, that's that's probably the hardest thing about being a journal in your in your own town. It'd be a bit like being a copper, I reckon. It'd be it's tough. No matter what you write, you're usually going to. Bloody hell, somebody Glenn off. Hartwig, really, our, our mayor, has, has a real problem. He's an ex-copper, he's a gimpy boy. And <laughs> How is the mayor? I know, I know. He walks a very fine line. So, yeah, it's yeah, challenging, but, yeah, you just got to do your job, got to do it the best, the best way you know how, and sometimes that means losing friends. Mm. Have you found that for yourself? Mm. It's happened, yep. Must be pretty sad, must be pretty hard to make those as you say, editorial decisions. Mm, very hard. Sleepless nights, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, you've just got to just got to do the right thing sometimes, and you just and know that it's going to piss people. Off. Excuse my language. <laughs> so, where do you see the masthead, the Gimby Times masthead, uh, progressing over the next 10, 20 years? Oh, I just think we'll continue to kick goals. Um, I, my personal objective is to make our digital um, site the best in its field, like we were with the paper. Yeah, and I think we already are. Like, we're pretty good. <laughs> is that, you know, like, are you performance-driven? Absolutely. Um, and we have very clear-cut KPIs now. Um, now that it's just digital, you know, this is this is what has to be achieved within the next 12 months. And um, I know we'll achieve those not easily. It, it's hard work. It's challenging work, especially in this new, you know, remote working. Um, but yeah, that's, we, I, I like to win. <laughs> so that's part of make that's what makes me a good journalist too you've got to be a competitive person to be in this field and and to to be able to cop the knocks you've got to enjoy the 
the roller coaster and the, you know, the battles, the daily battles. It certainly has been that lately, and it has been a pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks for joining us over the bonnet. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. This podcast is brought to you by Merrymark Medical. Merrymark Medical is your local medical practice in Gympie, specialising in quality family medical care. Are you always sick, ranging from acute medical issues to management of long-term chronic conditions? When you need to get better, even if you have complex health problems, get the right diagnosis with Merrymark Medical. Contact Merrymark Medical in Gympie on 54811873 or find them at 18 Young Street. The podcast is also brought to you by Gimpy Foam and Rubber, your local store that specialises in foam cut to size. They've got all sorts of good stuff like upholstery or craft foam or even loose filling foam. The shop is packed with things like mattresses and pillows. Ah, not so squeezy. And they'll also help you get down and dirty with rubber flooring and mats. And they've also got anti-fatigue matting. And they have industrial mats and rubber. And if they don't have it, Andrew will get it for you. Plus, for Over the Bonnet listeners, mention the show and ask for your discount. And you'll receive 10% off the marked price. That's right, 10%. Only for Over the Bonnet listeners when you mention the show. And you have to ask for your discount. And finally, the show is brought to you by NICAD Earth Moving that specialises in roadworks, house pads, site cleanups, land clearing, dam construction, even dewatering and swamp drainage. I didn't even know you could do that. They have a 140H grader which is big. Their Posi Track Bobcat is also huge. There's a D65 dozer, three excavators for hire, including a 20-ton, an 8-ton, and a 2.5-ton. Plus, they provide side truck hire and have a roller and even a water truck. So contact Carl Dakin at NICAD Earth Moving on 0488 and I guarantee the earth will move for you.